Welcome to Pragmatic Live, the podcast series for product management and product marketing professionals. I'm Lisa Sorg-Friedman, and today I'm talking with Emily Hosselman, Director of Marketing at CenterCode, which offers beta test management solutions. CenterCode is committed to helping companies of all shapes and sizes improve their products through successful customer validation, also known as beta testing. As Director of Marketing, Emily is responsible for expanding the reach and scope of CenterCode's marketing efforts to help more companies achieve customer validation for their products. Today we're discussing how data collected during beta testing can help with different elements of your product, from development to QA to support to marketing. We'll also discuss how you can use beta testing to make data-driven decisions and integrate the voice of the customer throughout the product development lifecycle. Thanks for being with us, Emily. Happy to be here. Why don't we start uh, again with just a quick definition of beta testing so that our listeners know where we're coming from? Sure. So beta testing is the stage that comes after QA, so after your own team has really gone through and and tested your product um, in the lab, and after a little bit of alpha testing but before release. So these are real customers in real environments using your product as though they have bought it and then giving um, feedback on what that experience is like and what they do and don't like about your product. So during beta testing, you're collecting feedback um, through bug reports, feature requests, journals, discussions. Uh, you're giving them surveys, tasks, whatever you need to collect uh, feedback and get a really good picture of how you need to improve your product. So beta testing is your chance to get real customer validation about whether your product's meeting your target needs um, and performing the way you expect it to. Okay. Well, when you focus on using beta testing to power your company, which internal stakeholders do you need to think about engaging, and who are the ones that are really going to benefit from beta testing? There are a lot of different stakeholders that can really benefit from the feedback that you get from these customers during beta. So. A lot of companies just look at it as a QA exercise, as kind of a final technical check to see if there are any remaining bugs before they push their product out to the world. But if they're doing that, they're leaving a lot of value on the table because just about every aspect, every team at your company can really benefit from getting customer feedback and unbiased um, customer experiences with your product and how it's working into their lives. So in addition to your QA team, you can engage the development team, you can engage product management, um, whoever is responsible for usability at your company, your support team, marketing and PR, and the executives at your company to make sure they're all gaining um, insight from what your customers see when they look at your product and how it's working into their lives. Hmm. Okay, well, so how can beta testing really help all these different departments make data-based decisions? So beta testing is your first big shot to collect quantitative and qualitative data about the customer experience. Um, so you can take that data and make some really interesting predictions about how the product's going to be used and, and pull that back to make sure that you're developing your product in, in the best way. So. For example, um, your dev team can use it to figure out uh, new features and functionality and whether they're meeting the needs of your customers. So you can get a big group of beta testers together that reflect your target market and uh, the different segmentations of your target market. And then you can say, okay, who's using this feature? Who's not using this feature? 
who's confused by this feature? And now you have data to actually back up some of those decisions that before you were just making off of kind of a gut feeling on whether it's something that your target market would like. Okay, well that's helpful because it's probably not a great idea to make a gut decision. Oh, but we do it every day. I mean, you see yeah. it over and over. It's you make a lot of assumptions about your market while you're developing a product for them of, I know this meets their needs, or I know this is what they want, or I know this is how they're going to use it. And then once your product actually gets into their hands, I guarantee they're going to use it in some crazy way that you never thought of. And you're going to go, wait, they did what? So that's really your chance to challenge some of those assumptions and say, okay, how are they using it? What do they want to see? And and is that really what we're delivering? Or are we going to put out a product that disappoints our, our target market because they were expecting something else? All right. Well, um, how how should you design your beta test to ensure that you're collecting data that's useful for internal stakeholders? You know, and, and making sure that you're collecting data that, that helps them reach their goals and improve the quality of your product. So at the very beginning, you want to make sure that you're bringing your stakeholders to the table when you're planning your beta test. Um, you can't collect good, useful testimonials for your marketing team if you don't know what makes a testimonial useful to your marketing team. So bringing them to the table and saying, okay, what what could you use? What format do you need it in? What context do you need? Um, is there technical information or environment information that you need to make this data useful? Getting all of those voices involved very early will help you make sure that you're planning a test that actually collects data that's useful to them and, and will help to power whatever their initiatives are um, once your product is, is out in the world. And it will also give you the ability to look for interesting insights once your test is underway. So if you're saying, okay, I remember um, my, my support team saying that they were really concerned about this feature and whether you know, customers were going to struggle with it. That's something you can keep an eye out for in your beta test and say, oh, okay, yes, they are struggling with this. Let me give them our support documentation and see if it's doing an adequate job helping customers through this issue or if they have recommendations and things they'd like to see in the documentation that could make it stronger for my support team once my product's out there. So things like that that you might not be thinking of beforehand, but once you have the voices of those stakeholders in your ears, you can start to look for it during beta and dive into some of those insights to make sure you're getting the full picture um, for your whole team. Okay. Well, and then are there any advantages to running phased beta tests? Yes, you know? absolutely. Yeah. A lot of companies from a traditional beta perspective will just run a single phase um, right before they launch their product. But in today's world, as we're moving more towards agile frameworks and you know, constant releases of different builds of, of apps and software, you can start using phases to get uh, feedback from your customers much, much earlier in the process. Um, so that could be even before you have a product. If you're at the MVP stage or if you're at a, the wireframe stage, getting some customers, a, a small panel of customers that you can send out different surveys and you know, versions of your product to and saying, hey, what do you think about this? Are we heading the right direction? Um, does this include the right feature set? Is there something missing? And getting that feedback early 
can help to make sure that your product doesn't go off course and you don't waste a, a long period of time, an entire sprint or something like that, focusing on the wrong thing. Um, you can also use phases it, to handle a bunch of other challenges. So if you have limited beta units, if you're manufacturing a hardware product and only have 25 units, but you want to run beta tests with 200 users, you can split it up into phases. And the other benefit of that being that if you want to make um, some fixes based off of the feedback you get in phase one, make some fixes, send it out to phase two, the next batch, and see how those fixes are affecting the customer experience. Uh, I've seen customers do other really interesting things too. You can, for example, um, pull together a, a group of VIP testers, your top-notch testers that you really know will put your product through the ringer. Give them an early version of your product, let them really pull it apart and find every little bug in every corner of your product, then take it back, make some improvements, and then run a larger scale beta test with a, um, a bigger, more um, representative beta tester team and, uh, and use that for your final beta and your final check on the larger customer experience before you release the product to the world. That makes sense. All right. So um, then also, how do you make it easy for testers to provide feedback? Because I'm assuming if they have agreed to test that they are eager to provide feedback. Yes, and decreasing the friction in the beta tester experience is incredibly important. So you, you want to make it as easy as possible for your testers to submit feedback. They only have kind of a certain amount of energy that they're willing to put into uh, your beta test. And a lot of that energy is going to get eaten up by using the product itself because it's probably not a perfect experience. It's probably a little buggy and a little frustrating at points to use. So a lot of their energy is going to go into that. And so you want to make sure you don't waste any energy at all when it comes to submitting feedback. Um, so you want to make sure that all your feedback is in one place. They don't have to log into one system to take part in a survey and another place to, you know, give you feedback and, and as a bug report form and then another place to participate in discussions with other testers about how you're using the product. It should all be in one easy place um, and it should all be just dead simple to use. And then the final piece of that is you want to make sure you're not asking them for the same information over and over and over again. So if you can collect at the very beginning, say, um, all the information about their smartphone or all the information about their computer setup, then you don't have to ask that level of detail every time they submit a bug because you already have it to give to your QA team. So make sure you're not asking for information that you already have or information that you don't have a set plan for how you're going to use because that's just creating more frustration for your testers and will decrease the amount of feedback that you're getting. Mm -hmm. Okay. Well, I know we talked a little bit earlier about um, database decisions and making sure that um, you know you engage the appropriate internal stakeholders. And one one area I'd like to get into just a little bit more is um, executives in particular mm -hmm. because although there are a lot of important um, stakeholders, I would imagine that they are extremely important just because they get to make the decisions, you know, <laughs> thumbs up, thumbs down. So, yes, um, yes, absolutely. Making your executives happy is probably on the top list for, for all of us. Um, so 
One of the ways to do that um, is to think about the data you're collecting and making sure that it is consistent with other metrics that are being collected at your company. So, for example, let's say after your product is released, you collect um, NPS scores, net promoter scores, to see how your product is doing. And so that's the question that says, how likely are you to recommend this product to a friend or colleague on a scale of zero to 10? And then you use that information to, to kind of gauge the success and, and how um, viral and, and interesting your product is. So if that's something you know that your support team or your you know, customer success team, whatever, collects after your product's out there, collect that during beta. Um, see how your customer, your beta testers would rate your product on that MPS scale. If you sell your product on Amazon, have them collect mock reviews and give it a mock five-star rating. Uh, if it's in the app store, same idea. And you, as much as you can mirror that um, KPI within your beta test, you should do so because that will create consistency, which executives love. And it also could give you the opportunity to maybe make some predictions. So saying, okay, our normal NPS score is a 30. Um, this product is a negative 10 in beta. So this is not up to our standards and we need to get it to the point where it is at our normal NPS level so that we can make sure it's a success once it's out there. Um, it'll take some time to kind of build up those sorts of baselines so that you know that you can trust that data to make that kind of prediction. But that sort of um, high level and information that can be uh, used across the company is really valuable for executives. Okay. And then what about, uh, you know, drilling down a little bit into marketing and PR for, for database decisions? What are they going to be looking for? So marketing PR is one of the most underutilized uh, pieces when it comes to beta, but they can get so much out of this early customer feedback. So I'm glad you asked that. Uh, they can look and take the information from beta to really power the marketing message that you're going to use to launch your product. So what features were customers raving about? What features did they not use at all during the beta phase? Is that going to affect how marketing positions this product and presents it to the world? They can use the data that they collect during beta to, to um, as part of that messaging as well. So, for example, they can say 90% of beta testers loved this new feature. And that gives you some credibility when you're putting that message out into the world. You can also use it to figure out different segments of your market or different use cases that maybe your marketing team hadn't looked into yet. And it could open up new markets uh, to say, this is not an angle we're considering taking with this product, but this is how our customers are using it and feedback we're seeing, and, and we might be able to expand um, our target market from what we thought before. And then from a PR perspective, you can actually use your entire beta process to get some early PR. So companies are sometimes a little nervous to talk about their beta process. You know, it's kind of the secret sauce of how did we improve our product before it was publicly available. But once your product's launching, you can use that beta process as a PR tool to build credibility and show how important the customer experience and product quality is to your company. So you can say, hey, look, we ran this really robust beta program because customer feedback matters to us. And we wanted to make sure that we had this really strong, solid product going out to our customers. 
and use that PR message uh, to get some initial buzz and, and authenticity for your product and your brand. Mm -hmm. All right. And then we've got support. So how do you see support as using database decisions, you know, based on the information that comes in through the beta testing? Yeah. So your support team is becoming more and more important every day. Customers have higher and higher expectations for what support delivers as part of the larger customer experience. And so you can use a lot of the data that you collect from your initial customers during beta to really power those support processes. So a lot of support documentation is built off of this kind of idealized version of the customer experience. So it's how you think your customers are going to use the product, and it's how you think they're going to handle issues. But once the product's kind of out in these dirty real-world environments, um, a lot of more real use cases and issues come up. So your support team should be using that knowledge um, to build and improve um, on their support documentation. They'll have a lot of very detailed technical information about the issues and environments that these uh, products were in. So they can say, okay, when customers were reaching this bug, it was when people were using these versions of uh, Chrome and, you know, on these particular smartphones. And that's really valuable context for them to have the first time a customer calls in with that issue. And they know the right questions to ask. They'll know the right root causes that, that might have led the person to this point. And they'll know what helps the beta testers to get around that. Um, and so they can support your testers in a much better way. Yeah. Well, we talked a little bit earlier, you know, about a QA and how it, it helps them identify bugs. But are there other things that, um, you know, we really didn't talk as much about where the uh, beta testing and database decisions come in? in yeah. Play. So bugs are a huge part of beta testing. You know, they naturally yeah. come out of every beta test, and, and QA is obviously going to want to get a hold of those. But there's more you can do with that, too. So, for example, you can use beta testing to evaluate the impact of known and new issues. So maybe your QA team knows that there are a couple bugs in there, but from their experience, they're corner cases. They're not really big issues that customers are going to run into. Well, you can test that in beta and say, okay, what percentage of, of my beta testers are running into this issue? Is it a corner case? Or is it something larger that maybe deserves a higher priority? And you can do that with new issues, too, figuring out the frequency and real impact of these issues instead of just, well, we know it happens this one time in the lab. You can do regression testing. So say your team has gone back and fixed uh, some of the issues that your beta testers found. Well, now give them a new build and say, okay, go, go back and check the bugs that you found. Are they still there? Um, are they gone completely? Is something new happening? Did the fix that we do break something else, and now we have a new issue that we need to figure out? Mm -hmm. So it's your opportunity to do wider-scale testing of the things that you've fixed. And then it also is just a chance to actually analyze the performance of your product in the real world. So is it as fast as you expected, or are things slowing it down, um, or is it – 
are there just other issues that once it's out with real people using it in real world situations that it just isn't performing at the level that we expected? And you can collect and, and look at some backend analytics to just make sure your product is, is really performing at the level that you want. Okay. Well, one thing we haven't discussed is who owns beta testing? Does it vary? Do you find it varies by company or is it pretty straightforward? It does vary by company. Um, it's it's very rare that there is uh, the same situation at two companies that we talk to. So it'll often end up on product managers' plates, um, along with a, a million other things that product managers have to do as part of getting a product out the door. It can sometimes end up with a QA and dev team as part of their responsibilities. And then sometimes if, if it hasn't ended up um, on someone else's plate, someone like marketing will pick it up um, because they want to get some of that customer feedback and make sure that they understand their market before it goes out the door. So it really varies on the structure of the company, whether it's something that is decentralized um, with each individual product or something that the company has really put together and centralized under its own beta management team and processes mm. to make sure that it's consistent across the company. Okay. That's interesting. So there really is a lot of variety there. So then the one team we really haven't talked about and the benefits that they get from database decisions are the product management teams. Yes, and they can get a lot out of this. I mean, understanding the voice of the customer is something that you guys at Pragmatic Marketing talk about a lot and, and product managers really understand. Um, so this gives product managers a lot of data to make those decisions and maybe have some of those arguments that they feel need to have with, say, a QA team or a marketing team or executives um, about what's in the best interest for the customer. And this gives them that data to really back them up and say, yes, this is an issue that customers are facing. This is something our customers want to see. This is something that's causing frustration in our customer base and needs to be fixed. So you can look at the total customer experience. You can look at the onboarding experience. You can see what the new customer experience is and see if it's matching up with what your company believes it should be and, and believes it is um, and, and seeing where those gaps are. And then you can also use it to make prioritized decisions about new and future features. So your your uh, beta testers are going to want to tell you about all sorts of things they wish your product can do. And I'm sure your customer, <laughs> larger customer base does as well. Um, but this gives you the chance to really look for trends and say, okay, did half of our beta testers ask for this or did one of our beta testers ask for this? Um, and you can really start to prioritize of, okay, maybe this is a more important thing that we need to consider for the future, or maybe this is something that can be put on the shelf for a little while while we focus on more important things. All right, so one of the things, though, is I mean, you're really advocating listening to the voice of your customer, but we know it can be hard to listen to customer feedback because sometimes it's not <laughs> what we want to hear. So what do you say to people, you know, how do you handle when you're getting feedback that you really don't want to hear? Yeah, that that is a big challenge coming into beta testing. You have poured your heart and soul into this product, and you really believe that you have built something that 
um, meets the needs of your customers and does everything that, that you want it to do. And, and you kind of hold your breath as you put it into their hands and go, oh, my gosh, what, what do they really think? So I, it's a little um, like ripping off a Band-Aid. We, I kind of prep our customers to say, okay, this is going to be hard. You're probably going to hear some things that, that are going to be tough to hear. Um, there are going to be things they don't like. There are going to be things that they think are kind of stupid, and they're going to tell you. So you need to kind of thicken your skin a little bit when you're heading into beta testing that there will be some amazing high moments where your customers are just clamoring for this new version and just can't wait to use these new features. But there will be some lows too, um, and you need to be prepared to listen to those. Um, and not brush them off as, oh, that's anecdotal, oh, that's just that customer's in a bad mood, or that, you know, tester doesn't understand, or it's user error. Um, you really need to open yourself up and say, okay, this is going to be hard, but if my customers are telling me something, I need to listen to it, and I need to make sure that I'm really taking into account what they're saying um, before I decide that it's not the right call for us. That's really helpful. Well, you've really provided us with a lot of information. You've given us a lot to think about on um, how to power our companies with beta testing. So thanks so much for being with us today, Emily. I really appreciate it. Oh, I was glad to do it. It was fun. To learn more about beta testing, check out our website, pragmaticmarketing.com. We've got articles, webinars, ebooks, and white papers to help you become more market-driven. Center Code also offers a resource library with detailed resources on beta testing. Check them out at centercode.com library.